Hey everyone, this lesson is on the eye condition known as subconjunctival hemorrhage. So in this lesson, we're going to talk about what this condition is. We're also going to talk about some of the causes, some of the risk factors for getting this condition. We're also going to talk about some of the signs and symptoms, how it's diagnosed, and how it's treated. So subconjunctival hemorrhage, and we'll note it here as SCH, is an eye condition involving bleeding under the conjunctiva causing a red eye. So here is an image of what a subconjunctival hemorrhage might look like. And it occurs when the conjunctival or episcleral vessels, so these are blood vessels, rupture and bleed. And the blood from those vessels pools between the conjunctiva and the sclera. So if we look in this image here, the sclera is the whites of the eyes and the conjunctiva is the layer on top of it. So if there is a bleed from these conjunctival or episcleral vessels, the blood can pool in the subconjunctival space, the space between the conjunctiva and the sclera. Now there are two main categories of causes. We're going to talk more about these in the next slide, but I just want to briefly introduce them here. One is spontaneous and the other one is traumatic. And the reason I introduce these two causes is because I want to talk about the differences in epidemiology between the two. For instance, there is a higher incidence of traumatic subconjunctival hemorrhage in younger adults, particularly males, and there's a higher incidence of spontaneous subconjunctival hemorrhage in adults over 50 years of age. And we're going to talk about the reasons why that is in the next slide. So now let's talk about the causes of subconjunctival hemorrhage. So as mentioned before, there are two main categories of causes, spontaneous and traumatic. So there is a large list of causes under the spontaneous category. Idiopathic causes are by far the most common cause of subconjunctival hemorrhage. Approximately 50% of cases are due to idiopathic reasons, which means that the reason is not entirely known. Another cause under the spontaneous category is elevated venous pressure. So we can see elevated venous pressure with Valsalva maneuvers. Coughing, so if there's a lot of coughing, this can increase venous pressure and increase the risk for getting a subconjunctival hemorrhage. We can see it in straining, so if there's constipation or any heavy lifting. Vomiting can also be a potential cause and strenuous exercise can also be a cause of this as well. We can also see it with hypertension. So hypertension can alter the blood vessels, can make the blood vessels a bit weaker and more prone to rupturing. This is why we can see this occurring even in patients who have now had their high blood pressure controlled. So hypertension or high blood pressure is a risk factor for getting some conjunctival hemorrhage. We can also see it with hyperlipidemia, so having high triglycerides or high cholesterol. This can also increase the risk for subconjunctival hemorrhage, diabetes, other type 1 or type 2. Bleeding disorders are also another potential cause, and this includes hematologic disorders and hepatic diseases. So in certain hematologic disorders, if there's a blood clotting issue, this can increase the risk for subconjunctival hemorrhage. Hepatic diseases, so liver diseases like cirrhosis, can also increase the risk for subconjunctival hemorrhage, as patients with liver disease can often have issues with coagulation because the liver produces coagulation factors. We can also see certain medications increasing the risk for subconjunctival hemorrhage. These include NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen and aspirin. Anticoagulants like warfarin can also increase the risk. And some systemic infections as well, including typhoid fever. So these are some of the potential causes of spontaneous subconjunctival hemorrhage. Now there's also the category of traumatic causes. These include injuries. So if the eye has been struck with something, this can lead to a rupturing of one of those blood vessels, causing a subconjunctival hemorrhage. 
Even minor trauma like eye rubbing, so if you're rubbing your eye, this can also cause a blood vessel to break. This can be a cause of subconjunctival hemorrhage. Ocular surgery, so you can think of laser eye surgery as a potential cause. Contact lens wearing is also another cause of subconjunctival hemorrhage. And certain viral infections of the conjunctiva can also increase the risk for having a subconjunctival hemorrhage. Now let's talk about some of these signs and symptoms of a subconjunctival hemorrhage. So by far, the most important sign we're going to see is a red eye. It is going to be unilateral, and it is due to a hemorrhage within the subconjunctival space, as we mentioned before. That hemorrhage can be localized or can be diffuse. So the entire white of the eye may be full of blood or can just be a small localized area. More often, it's going to be a small localized area. Oftentimes, the localized area is going to be sharply demarcated. So that hemorrhage is going to be sharply demarcated. And a subconjunctival hemorrhage is more likely to occur on the temporal side of the eye. So not the side of the eye closest to the nose, but the side of the eye closest to your temples. So your lateral side of the eye is more likely to be affected by a subconjunctival hemorrhage. A subconjunctival hemorrhage is often painless. Patients aren't even going to know they have it until someone tells them or they look at a mirror and see it. Although it may cause some discomfort if it's a very extensive hemorrhage that elevates the conjunctival tissue. So you can see in this image, if there's so much blood in that subconjunctival space, the conjunctival tissue can be raised or elevated, and that can cause some discomfort every time a patient blinks. What's important to note with a subconjunctival hemorrhage is that there are no visual changes or disturbances, so very key, there should be no change in vision or visual acuity, so very key. If there is, this can be a sign of another problem, another ophthalmological condition. And then there are no other ophthalmological signs or symptoms. So there shouldn't be any discharge from the eye. There shouldn't be any proptosis of the eye, so the eye shouldn't be bulging out. So you shouldn't see those types of signs or symptoms. And then as the hemorrhage resolves, although I mentioned it's a red eye, it can change color as the blood in the subconjunctival space gets processed and broken down. So it can change into a blue color and then a yellow color, similar to what a bruise would do as well. Now let's talk about the diagnosis and treatment. So clinicians diagnose subconjunctival hemorrhages oftentimes by clinical diagnosis. Just looking at the eye, they can often make the diagnosis, especially if there's a history that sounds like this could be a subconjunctival hemorrhage. But it may also be important to do a slit lamp examination to assess for any other ocular trauma. So as we mentioned before, certain traumas, certain injuries to the eye can cause a subconjunctival hemorrhage, but they can also cause other issues with the eye that are important to be ruled out. So slit lamp examination is important, especially if there are other symptoms along with the subconjunctival hemorrhage. And then if a patient's had this multiple times and it's recurrent and it's long lasting, blood work may also be useful to assess for potential blood or bleeding disorders. And then how do clinicians treat it? This is a self-limiting condition, so oftentimes there are no treatments needed. The blood in the subconjunctival space will be resorbed over a period of one to two weeks, but some cases may be longer, but on average it's one to two weeks. And then in some cases, symptom management with ice packs and artificial tears is necessary. So in the cases where we mentioned if there's an extensive hemorrhage in that subconjunctival space, and the subconjunctival tissue rises, this can cause some discomfort. So it can be helped with some ice packs if there's some swelling from that or raised tissue from that. And artificial tears can also help as blinking over that raised tissue can be uncomfortable. 
So again, this is a clinical diagnosis, but it's important to rule out other conditions that may be causing this or may co-occur with this. And then there is no treatment needed as this is a self-limiting condition and the blood in that space will be reabsorbed over a period of approximately one to two weeks, although some cases can be a bit longer. So if you want to learn more about other ophthalmological conditions, please check my playlist on those topics. And if you haven't already, please consider liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell to help support the channel and stay up to date on future lessons. Thanks so much for watching and I hope to see you next time.